Welcome to the Heartland Community Church Podcast, a podcast designed to help you in your personal spiritual growth. This podcast is part one of the Vision Weekend messages from Eric Parks, Heartland's lead pastor. Heartland, so good to see you. And it's so, I'm so excited that I get to be your lead pastor. You know, last week was really special for Chrissy and I for a bunch of reasons. Um, coming home, uh, getting to step in this role. But candidly, uh, last week was also a week where my heart was really, really heavy. My heart has been really, really heavy. Um, and it really is all tied to the death of George Floyd and the ripple effect that his murder has had on our country and in our home. So like two and a half weeks ago, I remember pretty clearly I was sitting at our kitchen table and um, it was probably two days after Mr. Floyd's death and murder that I saw the video begin to play on the screen. And there was something in me that um, in, in, in circumstances like that, it's pretty easy to sort of look away. But I sat at the table and I watched. I watched the whole video. I watched a man beg for his life. And then I watched his life disappear. And I'm sitting at the kitchen table and I start to weep. Because I saw my son, and I thought that that was my kid, and I was standing on the sidewalk, and he was dying. There would have been nothing I could do. And it hit me like a ton of bricks in that moment. There is an entire community of people who stand on sidewalks and just mourn because there have been countless black men and women who've been robbed of their life. They've been murdered. This isn't the first son or daughter to be murdered in this same way. Ahmad, Brianna, there's a mom and dad whose heart is shattered in a million pieces and it was sitting at that table that I knew, I'm like, this is not the way that Jesus meant it to be. It just isn't. And I also knew with everything in me, like I have to speak about this. Now I'm your new pastor and so you deserve to know a couple of things about this talk and about what we're about to walk into. Number one, there was no debate for me. I did not sit around and wring my hands. This one was not difficult for me to decide whatsoever because this has happened in our country over and over. And we have to talk about it. We are a majority white church. We have to have the courage to talk about it. You also need to know that I'm hugely indebted um, to my friend and one of our favored sons, John McNary who leads Heartland Sun Prairie. He articulated this message so beautifully last week and um, it was my heart as well. So I'm indebted to him and countless pastors that I spent time with on the phone talking about 
What is our response as the church? Now listen, I'm gonna invite you to stick with me. Let me say today, this is not about politics because politics, that's just not my game. And if you make this about politics, then you are going to miss what God might be wanting to do in your heart, in your life. Today is a Jesus issue. It is a biblical issue. It is a discipleship issue. And it is a chance for us, Heartland, to enter a calling to redeem and restore this city and our country, this world. And I'm asking you to join me to walk through this and have an open heart with me because I believe that God wants the healing of our nations to take place for racial reconciliation to happen in our city. Revelations 2, 2 says this, down the middle of the great street of the city on each side of the river stood a tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month and the leaves of the tree for the healing of the nations. We need healing. Will you pray with me? God, I ask that you would give us in this moment courage to hear what you'd have to say to us about the sin of racism, about any of our complicity. And God, courage to move beyond that, to become what you intended us individually to be and what you intended our church to be. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. This is what we know. We know that we live in such divided times. Like we are divided racially, we are divided politically, we're divided economically. And honestly, that's just scratching the surface. There are massive divides that separate people into groups. You, you see it in our city, you see it in our states, you see it in our world. And it is because of this division that more than ever, we tend to be isolated into our groups. You know, there's this underlying assumption that if we make any effort to build a bridge into another group that somehow we're abandoning our group. And I need to say that assumption is wrong. It's wrong because no matter what group you think you, that you belong to, that if you're a part of this church and you're a follower of Jesus, you actually belong to a bigger group, a, a, a group as a follower of Jesus. And this group is to include black, brown, white, men, women, as followers of Jesus, what we are first and foremost, unequivocally as citizens of heaven. This is what we are. And the reality about this group that we belong to is we have an aligning statement. Like we have a call. There is things about our group that are undeniable. In fact, Jesus puts it this way. We, we, we'll call this the law of Christ. When Jesus was asked about his kingdom, he broke everything down into a simple yet brilliant command. And notice I say command, not a statement, not poetry, a command. Jesus says, this is what my kingdom is to look like. In John chapter 13, 34, here's what he says. Jesus says to all of us, those of us that are followers of his, this is the law of Christ. A new command I give you, love 
one another. Now, you know, it's interesting because Jesus could have stopped there, and if he would have, it would have left us with uh, a lot of decisions to make. Because the truth is, it's like, well, what does that mean? Like, what do you love one another? Is that a feeling toward each other? Are we kumbaya and kissing? What does that look like? But Jesus goes one step further, and he defines it. He says, here's my command. Here's my law for you, followers of mine. Love one another as I have loved you. Well, that's pretty clear what that means. Like, we know what Jesus did for us. Like, he bore it all. He took it to the cross. He, he, he went and sacrificed everything for you and for me. And so Jesus says, listen, the law, my law for you, is that you love each other in the exact same way that I love you. And, and this is so key. And then he adds this. And by this, everyone, in other words, like the world that's watching, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. You see, the law of Christ, it is the great unifier of all Christians. Because look, there's no caveats. There's no carve-outs. The Apostle Paul even highlights this in Galatians chapter three when he says, look, there are neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, there are not male or female. We, every single one of us, we are what? One in Christ Jesus. The reality of the church is that we should be the most unified group of people this planet has ever seen. And you know this unity, it serves as a witness to the rest of the world that God is real and that he's good. Like outsiders should look onto our community. They should look at us and there should be such diversity in our church that they should say, are you kidding me? How in the world does a group that diverse and that different, how are they able to be so unified? How is it even possible? Clearly, there must be a God because what's happening inside the walls of that place? Clearly, they must build their life on something different. You see, the law of Christ, this is his intention. And anything short of that, that is not his plan. So here's what we have to wrestle with as a church. Why is it that we don't look this way? And I think fundamentally, if we're not honest with ourselves, it's because we failed at the law of Christ. Look, this is something we need to know. We are unified in this. Racism is a sin. It divides. It doesn't unify. It is antithetical to the law of Christ. And racism is defined pretty simply as a system of oppression based on race. And I know, I know you believe this is a sin. I know it. And I know that we've been taught for years that every single person is priceless child of God made in his image that he passionately loves him. We know Ephesians 2.10 talks about every single one of us we're masterpieces and we've been created anew to do good works for him, everyone. Everybody gets in on it. And 1 John 3, 1 says, how great is the love of the Father that he lavished it on us, 
that we, all of us, are called children of God. Look, every single person is a priceless child of God, loved so deeply by Jesus. Not some, not just those that are white-skinned. God loves everyone. He loves them so much that he passionately died for them. I know you believe this, but I thought, could our failure to be diversely unified, like that this law of Christ abiding in, in all of our places of worship, but in Heartland specifically, is it because too often, while we might believe conceptually that racism is a sin, that maybe some of us believe racism just doesn't really exist anymore. Look, here's the reality, if we're being straight with each other. If you're white-skinned and you live in a white world, your experience can lead you to believe that maybe racism doesn't exist. Like, because the truth is, some of the most visible signs of racism, they were removed during the civil rights era, right? Like zoning laws and bank redlining, segregated schools, segregated drinking fountains and entrances, you know, different seating on buses, voting rules that kept black people from voting. These, these obvious racist symbols, they've been removed. And I fear they've given us, white-skinned Christians, a false sense that maybe racism is over. And, and because I'm white, many of us in this church are white, we don't experience systems of oppression based on the color of our skin. So many of my friends who love Jesus, sometimes they'll say, well, maybe that's just isolated incidents. George Floyd was just a bad actor, someone who was angry and filled with rage. But when you sit with a brother and sister in Christ, and a brother or sister of color, and you ask them their experience, you begin to realize that their experience, it's not yours if you're white. And you begin to see that racism is alive and well. So last Tuesday, two new friends of Heartland, you've seen them, Carrington's been leading us in worship, and you saw Sharman on the stage as well, joined Arya, who you saw at the beginning of uh, the message, and some other staff members, and we had a conversation, just talking about experience and race. And the reality was it didn't take very long for me to understand that Carrington and Sherman's experience as young black men has, looks nothing like my experience as a white man. In fact, these two guys love Jesus as much as anybody I know, but they told me story after story of being pulled over or something happening or comments all based on the color of, our, of their skin. Sherman, who literally loves Jesus, been serving in youth ministry since he was 15, was pulled over because of the car he was driving in the part of town that he was driving through and put in the back of a police vehicle coming home from a prayer meeting. Now, he was released. But it became really clear to me that when we sit and talk to our brothers and sisters of color, we begin to realize that based on their experience, racism is happening all around us. We may not see it, but it's happening. And this is what I know. Harlan, we can't 
look like the church Jesus wants if we don't love someone enough to ask them their story, like to care. Far too many black people feel like this, and I hear it time and time again from my friends of color, that their life just doesn't matter to a majority in society. And that is not okay. Racism does exist. A system of oppression based on race. And this is why we have to ask ourselves, what is it that we must say in moments like these? We have to proclaim that every single human life matters to God and therefore they have to matter to us. So yeah, black lives matter. Now, let me say something about this. Black Lives Matter as a movement started in the summer of 2013 after the shooting death of Trayvon Martin. And this statement, Black Lives Matter has been a simple bold cry that has received a tremendous amount of backlash for a variety of reasons. And oftentimes when I'm with some of my friends, white friends, when Black Lives Matter is said, there'll be a rebuttal that says, well, wait a minute, don't all lives matter? I've had friends that say, well, why only black lives? Why are we focusing on that? And I got to thinking about this, and it reminds me of this. Responding to the statement, black lives matter, by saying all lives matter, it would be like showing up at the leukemia lymphoma event that my wife and I sponsor every year. And we are passionate about blood cancer because Chrissy's dad died last year of blood cancer. He was 18 months sick and then passed. We have raised countless tens of thousands of dollars for blood cancer. But if, if, if you were to say, show up our event at our event and, and have the same response to Black Lives Matter that all lives matter, that'd be like coming to the back of our event and yelling at us, well, wait a minute, doesn't all cancer matter? Well, of course, of course it all cancer patients matter. But from time to time, we all understand that it is appropriate to raise awareness and funding for certain types of cancer patients. I mean, let, let, let me point this out. It would be like a person who responds to Black Lives Matter with All Lives Matter. That'd be like someone in the crowd inter, uh, interrupting Jesus when he said, blessed are the poor, by saying, oh, wait, Jesus, you meant to say blessed is everyone equally, right? Or when he said blessed are children, or called out widows. You know why Jesus did that, right? It's because from time to time, Jesus knew he had to single out individual groups of people who did not have standing to defend themselves, that needed his voice. And black lives need our voice. Look, it is true that God wants to bless everyone, but Jesus was okay with talking about specific groups of people from time to time, and that didn't take away at all from the people who weren't a part of that group. Listen, Black Lives Matter is a valuable statement today, Heartland, because far too many black people, they believe that their lives, they don't matter to a majority of society. And in this place, in this house, in this church, 
for us to be the place that we want to be, they must know their lives matter. And so now I get it and I believe it and I'm going to say it, black lives matter, not as a political statement or an organizational endorsement, but as truth that black lives matter. But, but that's just the start. Black lives, they're meant to flourish. Like John 10, 10, this was for people of color. They have life and life to the fullest, like an abundant life. Listen, church, this is a law of Christ issue. Let me, let me read this verse to you slightly differently. A new command I give you, Heartland. Love your black brothers and sisters as I have loved you. That means that they matter. Heartland, listen. It is our job as a church to push back the reign of evil in our world. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 16, that he's gonna build his church and the gates of hell, they cannot prevail against it. He is letting us know that expanding the kingdom of God by pushing back the reign of evil in our world, that is our calling. And racism is a part of this evil because it diminishes the life of the image bearer. But God wants to work through you. He wants to empower us to push back that reign of evil. But you have to hear me, this will not happen if we are afraid to stand up for what is right because we're afraid that we might offend someone. You can't be silent. Archbishop Desmond Tutu once said, if you are neutral in situations of injustice, you have chosen the side of the oppressor. And that is not who we are. See, the gates of hell, they start to prevail every time good people sit on their hands and silence their voice. And you've been given a voice. You've been given power to decide whether or not you'll use that voice to help end the evil of racism in our city, in our country, and build the most united people this planet has ever seen. Jamar Tisby says the refusal to act in the midst of injustice is an act of injustice. Indifference to oppression perpetuates oppression. We must be a part of the solution. Jesus commands it. When he tells us to pray the Lord's Prayer, what does he say? He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth down here as it is up there. We are mandated to pray that racial and ethnic unity of the church is manifest now. And we must be courageous. I know you wanna to get to the end of your life and look back and know that you lent your voice to this tyrannical evil in our generation that you joined your voice with a chorus of angels who cried out to God to end oppression. So what can you do? Well, let me give you just three simple suggestions. 
that I'm asking you to prayerfully consider. Number one, repent. Now, I can tell you that these days, repentance is in short order. We're good at arguing our point and defending our positions. Repentance doesn't happen all that often. But here's what history and scripture tells us, that there can be no reconciliation without repentance, and there can be no repentance without confession. Look what James says in James chapter 5, verse 16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Why? So that you may be healed. You notice that? Like confess your sins to each other for healing. We often think about confession as this process we go to God with our sins for forgiveness. And of course, that's true. But do you know how we become this grand, unified picture of diversity that Jesus had in mind, a gospel community? We have to learn how to confess our sins to each other so that we can heal. Like acknowledge out loud that we hurt someone or maybe we contributed knowingly or unknowingly to a hurt that a people group has felt. This is the first step for us to heal, Heartland. And it's hard and it's awkward and it's humbling and it's embarrassing. But because I'm now your pastor, I promise you I will never ask you to do something that I haven't done myself or I'm not willing to do. So I confess. I confess my ignorance. I confess my slowness to learn. I confess that I have enjoyed the privilege of being a straight, white, college-educated male. And I confess that I have been reluctant to say things publicly because honestly, I've been afraid that I might offend someone that doesn't know my heart or my intentions. So I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. And I ask for your forgiveness, and I pledge to you to do better. So what's the second thing we can do? Well, we can listen. You know, James 1.19 says, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. I think sometimes for me, I'm all three of those in the opposite. That I'm unwilling to listen, I'm quick to get angry and I lash out with my opinions and my perspectives too quickly. And I, I have to guess that sometimes that's true of you too. Look, for us to be the unified place that God expects us to be, he's asking us today as a group of people to be slow to speak, slow to get angry, quick to listen. We wanna be, I know you wanna be people that listen. So let me say, if you want to find and develop a listening, listening posture, the first thing I gotta challenge is, you gotta get out of your echo chamber. You know, 10 to 15 years ago, when social media exploded and we saw the democratization of news, what was hoped and what was thought is that everybody would be better for it. We'd be more well-rounded, better read, like we would really embrace new ideas. But do you know that the complete opposite has happened? And you know why? Because of a thing called an algorithm, right? You know, the stuff that you read on Facebook, online, for-profit companies serve that stuff up to you so you'll click on it. Why? 
because they get paid to do it. Like, it's just business. But that means that too often, if we're not intentional, the things we're exposed to are just more of the things we already see, know, and believe. We don't ever see outside of our bubble. And as Christians who are determined to listen so that we can learn, we have to get outside and break the algorithm. So that means you gotta read people you don't normally read. And look, as a church, we wanna help. So next week, we're gonna be posting online some suggestions. People you can follow that you might not normally follow, books that you can read, places you can visit, theologians, people of color, perspective, and listen, because I really do believe that we, all of us, want to sincerely be what Jesus had in mind. I'm challenging you, break the algorithm. Second thing you have to do to listen is you have to build relationships with people that don't look like you. Like you have to make it personal. See, we can't look at people of color and talk in generalities like they and them. And when you build relationships with people who don't look like you, they're no longer a they and them. They're a Carrington and a Charmant. This is what I'm asking you to do. See, this is a law of Christ thing. Getting to know people so that you can love them and loving them enough to get to know them. See, I'm asking you, who are you eating dinner with? Who are you going to coffee with? And if your world doesn't include people who are of different skin color than you, then your world, it's just too small and you're missing out. So do the hard work of relationship building so that you can listen. And then lastly, what you can do is to pray. I fear that far too many of us spend way more time on Facebook and on our favorite news channels than we do on our knees and in God's word. And I'm convinced that if we were to flip that equation, things would look fundamentally different. So I'm inviting you to pray two types of prayer. Number one, to pray for others. Specifically, I'm asking you to pray for an end to racism to pray for our black brothers and sisters, to pray for a healed nation, to pray for a community that is grieving and mourning. Pray for our leaders and pray for revival. And then I'm also asking you to boldly ask God to search you in your prayers, to search your heart, to open your heart and soften it, not harden to show you where you should repent, to give you courage to act and strength to stand up. Ask God's spirit because James 5 says that profound change happens when we pray. And as you do all this, it's really simple. Ask God, Lord, what would you have me do? God is calling us, Heartland, to live out a courageous faith, to embrace racial and ethnic diversity, to, to stand against any person, 
any policy, any practice that would dim the glory of God reflected in the like of human beings from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And you need to know as a church, we're taking action. We've begun practical, concrete steps to begin to create a church for anyone and everyone. And so over the next few weeks, you'll continue, we'll continue to tell you about our plans and how you can be involved in this process of reconciliation. Heartland, listen, I see a place where we love each other like Jesus loved us, where outsiders look at the diversity in our church and they say, how in the world is a group that diverse and that different able to love each other that way? How is it possible? There must be a God. Harlan, this is what I see for us. So let me, let me pray for you. Father, we pray for the family of George Floyd, for brothers and sisters of color who have had to deal with a lifetime of racism. Father, we know that the death of George Floyd was terrible, and that our brothers and sisters of color are devastated that this has happened yet again, and they need your spirit, our prayers, our support. God, we repent for our part in this. And we ask that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear. We pray that our church will be awakened to you, knowing that only you can change a human heart. And we pray that you would be glorified by our lives, by our words, by our actions, by our posts. And we pray all of this in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to the Heartland Community Church Podcast with Eric Parks. You can experience the entire service this message came from by going to heartland.cc and clicking on the watch page or on YouTube at Heartland CC Rockford or watch it on the Heartland app. Search Heartland CC in the App Store. Thanks for listening.